Today, on The Terrible Warriors, we meet the makers. Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games is someone who loves the storytelling of tabletop games. When the pandemic upended all of our gaming groups and abilities to connect to each other, many of us retreated to our own solo interests. If you are fortunate enough to have a good internet connection and a quiet environment, perhaps you were able to connect with a virtual gaming group. But if you didn't, what did you do to satiate your gaming and storytelling appetite? Enter The Secrets of the Vibrant Isle. This is a solo RPG that Craig calls Cozy Gaming. Grab a blanket, your favorite snack, and a comfortable place to sit and relax as you journey to a mystical island and explore and meet its denizens, and at the end of your journey, find out if you'll be accepted to remain. Secrets of the Vibrant Isle is currently in the final week of its Kickstarter campaign, and you can visit the page right now by clicking the link in our show notes or episode description. But before we talk more about the Vibrant Isle and its secrets, this is Meet the Makers. So let's get to know Craig. And as I always like to start, I started by asking him what it was about tabletop that first attracted him to this style of gaming. Well, it's one of those things that I didn't know it was missing from my life until I discovered it. I went through like, you know, younger days, grade school, junior high, high school and everything. And I didn't um, I didn't write or like write stories or, or anything like that. There was no drama club at my school. I went to a small high school. The drama club restarted the year after I graduated. And I think I might have, you know, tried out, tried that and, and maybe found it that sort of thing a little bit earlier, like portraying a character and, and being part of telling a story. I've always enjoyed movies. I read a lot as a kid. And so when my friend Brian introduced me to second edition D&D in uh, 1991, and we played one game session before I went home for the summer that year, I just, it just like everything, it kind of clicked, you know, it was just like one of those things like, oh, this is really neat. I really like this. This is cool. I took the, I bought the books, like absorbed them over the summer, didn't get a chance to play. And then that next fall got together with, with Brian and some other folks. And we just played, you know, D and D like crazy. We got into the star Wars West end game, played a little shadow run, various things. And it just kind of, it just kind of ballooned from there. And then that turned into, like I've taken stabs at at writing like short story stuff, poetry, screenplays, um, and then you know eventually designing games of my own. In, in addition to having you know having freelanced for a, a bunch of different games and companies um, over the years as well, it was just something that I kind of like that the, the creative pursuit of being part of telling a story has just you know like once I discovered it, it was like okay now it's something that I do in some way, shape, or form like. For the rest of my life. So that brings us up to uh, today, talking about secrets of the vibrant aisle, and it's already in Kickstarter. It's it's been out now for about three weeks at the time we're talking, and uh, we're, we're we're getting up to the final leg on this. <laughs> Tell me about this this game, uh, and it's a solo RPG as well, which is really fascinating to me, and I'd love to 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 peel that onion apart and, and and learn more about about that design process but uh introduce me to the to this to this island that we're going to be exploring yeah in the game the assumption is that your character that you're portraying 
has sought out the vibrant Nile. They've heard the story. They've heard the legend of this kind of mysterious island where all of these strange and wondrous things live. And they went looking for it and they find it and you shipwreck on the island. And the island is kind of magical and mysterious and it doesn't let just anybody find it and it doesn't let just anybody stay. So in the game, you have four weeks of game time to essentially prove to the island and its inhabitants that you are worthy of remaining. So the gameplay is kind of built around the idea of exploring the island, you know, scavenging the, the shipwreck, improving your character, meeting the inhabitants, and just sort of slowly building like resources and capabilities and everything that will allow you to succeed at a finale scenario. And there's several of them that you can choose from that is going to be the ultimate test of whether you get to stay or not. So it's, you know, the game is part traditional kind of RPG kind of rules light RPG. Uh, it's part sort of choose your own adventure because you'll be picking, making choices that'll take you in different directions. There's a certain amount of randomness is, uh, to it as well because you go to explore the island and like you never know what you're going to find and the island kind of keeps its secrets hidden so you can't always find your way back to the same places um so which forces you to sort of kind of explore other things and then it's you know it can also be part journaling and mapping game if that's the sort of thing you want to incorporate you could kind of um, build a whole story for this character that you're playing and play like a longer version of the game that takes more time um, and you, but you otherwise played entirely by yourself. And the, the, the book basically takes on the role of the GM, like rather than having a person who's telling you, this is the, this is what you encounter. This is the thing that happens. And this is the sort of challenge you need to overcome. There are encounters and different, uh, uh, you know, other things that you, that you do in there that the book kind of describes for you. Yeah. Cause I did want to talk about that experience part as well is it's funny when we're talking about other indie games that I've, I've interviewed on, 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 terrible warriors it usually comes around to you know if you're going to buy an indie game you're probably going to run that game especially with a gaming group that is already playing something else it's unlikely you're going to convince your resident gm to be like play this game that i bought i'm like no you run it. it's your game but this isn't this is this is this isn't even this is when you're by you've got a weekend to yourself or you got an evening on your own or a lunch break and there's no right. gaming group it's it's yourself so that i really want to ask about that experience as well as I've I've had a chance to play GMless games, and even in a GMless game, it tends to that that role of the GM is shared and it moves around the table. Right. So whoever is currently in the spotlight with their character, the other players step into that GM narrative role. So in this case, that you've said the GM is kind of taken in the role in that book, and I guess you're using the book to reference as you're playing to help guide right. you through this. What is that like? Is it a, is it a silent experience like a meditation or does it, uh, how, how, how have you, cause this is, have you had a <laughs> chance to see other people play the game? Cause it's a, it's a very, it seems like a, a, a wonderful cozy, but also very solitary experience. Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't taken the time to sit and watch somebody play the yeah. game because that would also kind of require them to like vocalize what they yeah, were doing well, exactly. otherwise because it's, it's, it's almost I would an be invasion of privacy just kind of read and, and yeah. ponder um but yeah I mean it is a very it, it's a solitary game it's it's kind of intended to be something that you can lose yourself in um I don't expect that you would necessarily you know vocalize a lot as you're playing unless you're the type of person you know like some people might 
like narrate things out loud and kind of present, you know, you, you could read it out loud. Like there's nothing wrong with like, I mean, I, I did a, a, a video and we've had other people that did like APs of the game where, so you just read the book out loud so that there's the, there's a vocal element because you're doing, you know, yeah, you're presenting it, basic, it now, yeah. basically performing it for other people, yeah. but you know, you, you may do that yourself as you're playing, or you may sit quietly in a corner or you know, like on a bus or at the airport or whatever it is. And just kind of, uh, kind of tool your way through the, the adventures on the Island. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea being that, like you said, like cozy gaming, I describe it that way. That's something that's kind of popped up with video gaming. There's, it, there's, there's a little bit of that you kind of being referenced in some RPGs out there where it's like, you could, I, I imagine some people anyway, like curling up on a, in a comfy chair or on the sofa with, you know, with a snack and a hot beverage for an hour or two rather than watching a movie. Yeah, it's got that Stardew Valley kind of feel that like it, it, it's got a you, you're describing it as, you know, you're finding supplies and you're exploring, you're meeting these other characters. And um, and certainly I've, I've got a number of, of, of video games like that where it's exactly that. Grab a blanket, sit on the couch and just tonight I'm going to have a nice quiet time with no explosions. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and it, this sounds like, you know, for me, like my my history playing with tabletop is is been a history of standing around tables yelling emphatically with hands. <laughs> you got the Muppets there behind you on our Zoom calls, so we're all just doing Kermit arms all the time. And and this is um, this is this is much more uh, introspective when you're playing this game because there is no friends at the table to make jokes at to get reactions from. It's it's you that you're playing with, and is is that the kind of because I've seen a big rise in solo gaming, either as just one-page RPGs or games like this, or even the, uh, I was mentioning before we talked, the One Ring that got kickstarted, the Lord of the Rings RPG. They've got a Strider mode, so you can have a solo. So I've been seeing solo gaming with tabletop becoming much more common all the time. As someone now who's making a solo game and has <laughs> it on Kickstarter, just putting it on the line, what is it about this style of tabletop that attracted you so much that you wanted to design a game for it? Well, I think from what I've seen, you know, solo gaming of, of different sorts has, like you said, kind of been on the rise. I mean, I don't, I, I think there's been things like, you know, games like this for quite a long time. I mean, you could argue that choose your own adventure books are solo games. I think that um, there are certain parts of the world, my understanding, like uh, that in the, in the, East Asia and like uh, South Korea, Japan, I've been told that uh, their, their solo game has kind of gained a, a, you know, a popularity. It's become a little more prevalent. It's, you know, and as it is, you know, in any kind of international kind of thing, like it's going to cross borders, right? It's going to come across mm -hmm. the ocean or around the world from places where it's kind of more popular. Eventually, everybody kind of discovers things um, because of the internet. And um, certainly this past year and a half two years has been like well what do i do like for for my gaming fix i, I have no friends i can't go anywhere what am i you know i used to run a game at a restaurant every weekend that's obviously not happening i have a i have a shoddy internet connection so even if my yeah. friends and i could get online to play something it's hard to do because i can't count on my internet holding up 
Um, you know, I don't have a microphone and a webcam and it, or whatever. It brought they- our podcast to a complete halt because we used to record here in my apartment. And when we tried to do virtual setups, no one had microphones or, or a quiet environment. One of us lives on a boat in a marina. So like <laughs> and, and does and is just using his phone as a hotspot. So it just wasn't practical. And, and so we just didn't we just didn't do anything for a whole year. And it took us that long just to figure it out. And that's. Alt, not just as a game group, but as someone who's a podcaster. So eventually I was going to have to figure it out. But if you're just gaming, yeah, that's, that, that can be a big problem, especially if you're in a small town and you're used to getting your gaming fix, going to conventions uh, you know, every month and, and doing that. It all stopped. It all went away. Right. And I think even after kind of things get back to more normal where we have more conventions and people are able to get together in groups and, and have you know, home games resume in, in force, I think there's, you know, there's there's going to be a, a level of enjoyment, a certain, it's a different type of enjoyment, a different type of experience that you can get from various types of solo games, whether they be video games or analog games, tabletop games um, that, you know, they will continue to be popular in, you know, with certain types of gamers. There's some people like, like gaming for them is like, I, it's, a, it's, you know, more, more a social activity, than it is about the game, like the, the like being sure. at the table with the friends is kind of the big deal, and like the this, the fact that we're playing a game is kind of secondary. Um, there's people who really love games where it's really kind of built around you kind of have you know like having multiple players playing multiple characters that serves the game better. That's their thing. But there's going to be people who are just like you know I'd like to just kind of have this fun little thing, and I don't have to worry about driving anywhere. I don't have to worry about wrangling a group of people together and trying to find a schedule that works for everyone. You know, if we do this thing online, I don't have to worry about internet connections or whether or not, you know, somebody, one of my friends has this dog that never stops barking or has, you know, family and kids that like, there's just going to be uh, uh, distractions all the time that they, that person might have a hard time doing an online game just because there's people around. And it's, you know, like you said, quiet yeah. environment. It's hard to, you know, not everybody has access to that for yeah, four it's hard hours to do that where straight. Every time, Every time the player who's wearing a headphone starts laughing and then their dog starts barking in response because <laughs> they don't realize that the dog, they don't realize that their owner is playing on a virtual game. Or we we, we actually were recording uh, a game not too long ago and someone uh, on our table was like, I have to go. My two-year-old's throwing poop on the wall. Yeah, that's... And it was just like, a, oh man. Gotta deal with that. Game stops. <laughs> that's a priority. Uh, whereas, yeah, if you're just sitting around and like, I, I, I guess I could turn on a streaming service and watch something again, or I guess I could pop in this game again, but have, then you got this book on the table and you can just flip it open. And you even mentioned in your description, if you can do this in two hours or break it up into even just 30 minutes. If that's all you have. Yep. Exactly. And the hope too, is that, uh, uh we're going to make the, the PDF very navigable. So with bookmarks and link, you know, hyperlinks in the text, um, with a form fillable character sheet where you track everything. So if you get a dice roller that'll roll D10s for you, you could put the whole thing on, you know, your laptop or a tablet and take that with you. So like you could, you know, play it in the car while you're a passenger and um, you know, while you're waiting for the airport, you know, waiting for the plane at the airport or even on the plane. Like there's like, like a lot of ways you could take advantage Can't play of games on my phone in the subway, but I could play this because <laughs> it would work offline. What is the design process when you're you're making a game here that isn't isn't made for group play it's made for this one person so 
you know, one of the times like we we're, we're doing Simbroom on the podcast right now and I, it was new to me, but it wasn't new to Mitch. And so I got to lean on him to help with the rules. You're by yourself when you're running this. And it's also kind of in a weird way, holding yourself accountable in the way that you might push or fudge rules when you're playing with a group, especially if you're running as a GM. I guess I'm just, what, what, what considerations go into writing a, a story like a, mechanically like this for that that's different if you were doing something for a group play game sure well you know at it, at its core you've got you know basically four traits that your character uses um and that's all very similar to um a lot of games right but there's yeah, it still needs to be approachable right, yeah they'll, you'll you'll attempt tasks you'll succeed or fail um but one of the things that i looked at too was like okay i i, I just gave some thought in just simple terms what are some of the things in this game, if this game had a GM, what were some, what are some of the things that the GM might adjudicate if you decided, well, I want to do this or I want to do that. And the GM could perhaps adjudicate how to handle that. There comes a point in any game where it has to be out of your control or else you're, you're just kind of doing a very consensual improv, but the rules don't matter. And yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. So like the game Monster Hearts put it, the game has to stay feral. Right. <laughs> it needs to stay on the table and not in any one person's control. Except now you are one person. Right. And so, well, like for the purposes of the game, what I found myself thinking was in designing the system um, was to say, OK, the person, you know, your character goes to the island and they're going to go around and explore stuff and it can be very random. You're going to be making roles that determine where you end up. Um, when you explore just randomly, but there a, a certain amount of control would be good too. So for example, one of the things that I, I looked at was like, well, if I was playing this with a GM, I could tell the GM, I want to explore the dark parts of the Island. I want to explore the places where the, like the, the, the dangerous yeah. stuff is. And they can follow the bouncing And the ball. GM could just invent the dangerous mm-hmm. stuff or, or turn to the part of the, the setting book that said, here's the danger stuff. Um, so what I did in the game was develop, uh, basically there's, you know, there's three tracks total, but the two that are important for what I'm talking about here is there's worry and wonder where you basically have points that you accrue as you play. Um, and as your worry gets higher and higher, it represents your character, um, like being worried, being concerned, being afraid, like this, this place is kind of spooky and dangerous and what's going to happen. And then wonder is kind of your character's sense of awe at all the wonderful things that they see and their, their kind of uh, fascination with the things in, in the, in the world. And so you can spend as you, you know, if you crew were, you can spend it to affect the random role that you make to decide where you go to explore and when you spend the worry, it causes your role to be lower. Every point of where you spend reduces the role that you make by 10. And that, and, and that takes you into the lower number category, which is where the darker and dangerous things live. So you have the ability to say, well, I want to face my fear and alleviate some of this worry. I'm going to spend some points. And in the game, you, you roll percentile dice to determine uh, what you're, you know, what you find when you go to explore and the low numbers are where the, the darker and dangerous things live. And the high numbers are where like, where the really wonderful, you know, like lighthearted kind of things, uh, live more. So, you know, when you spend worry, like say you roll a 44, you spend three points of worry. Well, that now makes it a 14. 
and a 14 is a very low number on that percentile yeah. dice. And so the likelihood that you're going to encounter something kind of um, a little more sinister is higher. So th- that worry and wonder expenditure takes over the role of the GM saying, well, I'm going to present this darker thing to you because that's what, because you're seeking that out. Yeah, it helps teeter totter between these, these ebbs and flows in the story. Because yeah, I mean, the difference I was just thinking while you're talking, like the difference mindset when I'm a player, I'm responding to what's being served to the table. I'm, I'm, in, I'm trying to be present with my character and uh, reacting as things are happening more or less in real time. Whereas a GM, while I'm still trying to be present with my players, I'm also anticipating what's happening next trying to set what's behind door number two so that in case they go through there, I've got even sometimes either a a solid idea or just a vague idea of where things, the different ways it could branch. And that can be very difficult if you're ultra, you obviously can't be doing that if you're running, if you're playing by yourself or you're just going to be splitting your brain in half. Uh, You, so it's really interesting. Just I was curious about that mechanic side on how the game helps with those ebbs and flows of the story to still feel dramatic and random and a little out of control because that's part of the fun of being in a minecart in a game right. like this and being like, we're off and I don't always have a say and uh, or being tied to a comet. Uh, but, uh, but also being able to have a certain degree of control too as the player to be able to consent to what you are rolling yourself into so that you're not, if you really don't want to go into that sinister side, that's not the experience you want. You, it sounds like there's, there's that wiggle room to help massage your, your right. own, uh, to, to an extent. Yeah. You're still at the whim of the dice, but you do have like, if you're just not ready to deal with any of that, of, of the, of the, you know, more dangerous stuff and you roll like a 26, um, and you've got a couple of points of wonder, you can always, you know, make that into a 36 or a 46 or a 56 and just spend yeah, just, and just be like, I'm going over just there. Just turn the dice around. Um, the tens are now the and ones. There's also they're like, uh, like one aspect of the game, I kind of developed the idea as like in a dungeon crawl. Like if you're playing it like, and this is, this game kind of feels like a dungeon crawl in that, you know, like you, I open the next door and then I roll some dice and that's what's in the room. Right. Or in this case, that's what's in, on this part of the Island. Yeah. Um, and so like in dungeon crawls, there's always like, sometimes you just progress straight through them. Right. But sometimes you find yourself being like, Oh, I have to go back to this place. Cause there was something that we saw. There was a clue that oh, we didn't that's know what about. That or room, something yeah. that we failed at there, but we need to go back and try again because I think it might be important. So the, the Island is mystical and magical and doesn't let you remember everything about where things are. So like you, as you explore, you just make this random roll and that determines where you go, but you can keep, you can. So you're just dreamily sort of, wandering yeah. around a little, foggy in terms of exactly the progression on how time is passing and and the island you know it, it maybe it turns you around and points you in different directions maybe it literally moves things from one place to another it's it's left <laughs> yeah very like, vague. like i'm thinking what's, what's, uh, what's demon souls where the, the fog just takes you and then you yep. teleports you into a new place but then in the game you also have you've got four spots little slots on your character sheet where you can write down the encounter number of something that you went to and you want to go back to so rather than rolling but you, you can, re- a, you you can return, fast travel markers. You can return to that spot, right? Cool. So, like, if you go uh, to on a to a particular exploration and you fail at doing the thing that you wanted to do, then you you know you can come back to it later and try it again when you've got more resources um, and a better chance to succeed. 
Okay, rules aside, mm-hmm. this is about a story, and this sure. is about a really cool setting. So you're, you're you're saying all these like mysterious little words of like it's a cozy game. It, you're shipwrecked. There's exploration, but also there's dark and sinister elements and wonderful, lighthearted elements. What are some of the things? Because it's also random. Are, are they are there like determined like just a big table of things you can me- uh, meet and you're rolling for it, or is there a bit of procedural generation where things are going to combine to create original encounters each time what 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 are what 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 are some of the things you're going to see when you wash up onto the shore there there's kind of both when you go to explore you roll percentile dice um and if you get doubles you encounter the inhabitants and the inhabitants is a series of five encounters that you'll you'll keep coming back to like the first time you encounter the inhabitants you just catch a glimpse of them and maybe and and so and each time you encounter the inhabitants you you develop something about them so the the inhabitants aren't set in the game like you will invent them you will world build them as you play and they can be different every time um so there's a you know a, a something a, a list of 10 to roll on or just pick what you know seems most appealing to you at the moment and decide well you know the inhabitants are this big and this is kind of how these are like mannerisms that they use and how they kind of move and act. And then, you know, each time you encounter them, you add more to that. And it's like a prescribed set of stuff. And by the time you get kind of toward the tail end, you're discovering like their special abilities that they can, you know, things that they can do that are kind of fantastic. Um, and then in the final encounter, you, uh, you befriend them and they invite you to uh, visit their community. And one of them becomes a friend. And this you, feels like where the you wild put them things on your are. Character this is wonderful. Sheet and they accompany you on the rest of your the rest of your adventure. So that's one of those where you're kind of, like you were saying, just kind of in part building it yourself as you go. And then if you don't roll doubles, um, any of the other 90 numbers um, takes you to an encounter. And that encounter is usually set up as um, there's a name for the encounter and a number so that you can remember uh, what it is to go back to. And then there's like a, a brief setup to what you, what you discover. Um, and then there's some sort of a twist to that, that, kind of sets up what the what the challenge is what the you know what's wrong here or what do you have to deal with or what can you exploit or gain you know uh, uh, manipulate or or somehow discover or whatever um and then there's uh something that happens to you whether it be like oh you just gain a willpower because of this you're at mm-hmm. this encounter or you make a check of some sort and if you succeed you gain this and if you fail then this happens to you and they vary there's all sorts of different variations of things so, you know, each of those encounters is kind of set in what they are, but there's so many of them that you won't necessarily repeat them that often in a single sitting, you know, single uh, playthrough of the game, unless you want to, um, you might, you, you might luck out and happen to roll the same one again. Um, and there's a rule for allowing you to just re-roll if you want to. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, or you, you know, you'll, you know, during the course of the game, you might go to 30 different encounters. And some you'll succeed and some you'll fail. But then the next time you play the game, you might see some of those again, but this time you'll f- fail rather than succeed and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, different outcomes. Um, or, or if you, you know, if you, if time passes between the times that you play the game, you'll just forget some of the, some of the encounters. Sure, you're in a different space too. So your reaction to it's going to be different. Um, there's a, a GM list game I really like called the fall of magic and it's played on a scroll. Everything on the scroll that never changes. There's some pathways you can pick 
and you have different prompts that you can choose. I've played it like six or seven times every single time, even though it's the same scroll. It's a completely different world, it's a completely different story every single time. The, 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 sometimes the descriptions are just vague enough that I'll just be in a different place the next time I'm playing, and it'll be a completely different imagery that that'll generate in my mind when when I when I read that same thing. And the hope here was that there, there's a, a good deal of pl- replayability because you'll play a yeah. different type of character with different strengths and weaknesses. You'll go on different encounters. You'll in, you'll invent the inhabitants differently. You'll improve or not your character. You'll discover different things when you scavenge the shipwreck. You know, you'll choose a different finale to go on to to attempt. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different like you you could play this game 20 times and have 20 very different experiences. So for someone considering this, we talk a lot about trying to help make you know, our games easy to or accessible to play. And, and, and you know, one of the things I love to do here on Terrible Warriors is really impart that you can do this feel. Like, I don't want someone to listen to me playing a game on the show and go, well, that, I'm not clever enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not inventive enough uh, or witty or funny to, to be able to pull off playing these games uh and so rather i'll just listen to other people play it or i'll just watch other people play it uh and i really want to help empower whoever's listening to us talking like oh yeah i can totally do this so for a solo game just thinking about myself here how is it it's not it sounds really accessible is it daunting to pick up a game that you're gonna run by yourself be by yourself uh, for someone who, like myself, who's only recently getting into meditation, that can be intimidating <laughs> sometimes to a little vulnerable to sometimes play a game uh, exploring yourself. And I know some solo games are more intense than others as well in terms of those themes. So what what would you say to someone who's just on the fence? They, maybe they've only ever been a player and they're not used to being the 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 world builder in the game that they're playing. Um, how, how open is this book to someone who is uh, uh, dipping their toes into this, this wonderful kind of storytelling? Um, I think it's pretty easy to adapt to kind of the way you want to play it and to take it to the level that you want. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of refer to the game having two modes, short play and long play. And really short play is like, okay, I've got my character created and I'm going to roll and I'm going to go on these explorations. I'm going to meet the inhabitants and you play it like an adventure game. Like you're going to, you know, like, like you, you've got a character sheet. That's like, this is where you fill up your equipment and you mm-hmm. find your little friends and magics and things that are going to help you. And your, your goal is ultimately to defeat this boss, which is a finale scenario. You, uh, you know, you don't necessarily like you, you read the thing, you know, read the exploration, deal with the problem, make the check, gain or lose whatever it is that's going to happen. And you don't necessarily take it to the level of like, now I'm going to kind of immerse myself and think about like, what would my character do in this location? And how, what does this really look like? And like, you know, you can play the long play version, which is to journal it and mm-hmm. really kind of get deeper into role play and thinking about like what the character's experience is um, in, in a, you know, a, a more complex manner. But like the game itself is like the the expectation is 72 pages of a six by nine book and six of those pages slip this into your into your shoulder bag. No problem. Exactly. Six of those pages is the rules. 
And then everything else is just stuff that guides you through other things. So you flip, flip, flip. Uh, now that's the game. And then the rest is reference as you're playing through. Essentially, there's basically in order to make this very navigable yeah. um, in both book and PDF form was I, I set it up as like I want to try to do two page spreads for a lot of this, which is to say, OK, character creation is on two pages. Everything you need about character creation is on those two pages. So when you need to reference character creation, you go there. The basic rules is on those two pages, you know. Taking your actions is on those two pages. Like when you're exploring the island, you 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 know you jump to some other page in the book to explore this you know encounter number sixty seven, um, and then you're going to go back to taking your actions, and you just flip back to that spot in the book via a, a bookmark or a link, and you'll 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 just jump around the PDF, or if you're doing it with the physical book, like you could you could bookmark, like I said, you could bookmark three spots in the book. And have access to all three, I, like immediately. I have a choose your own where, adventure. Where all the real rules are. You were mentioning choose your own adventure. I have a choose your own adventure up here uh, on a uh, to be and or not to be the Hamlet choose your own adventure book. Sure, <laughs> uh, written by Ryan North. It came with a bookmark though that was a Yorick skull bookmark with nine bookmark teeth on the skull, <laughs> so you could fit all the different pages if you want to keep track of of all the different choices or places you're going through and you know i, I mean that's just part of the joy of, of 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 playing tabletop sometimes is just being flipping through and finding the the different descriptions and the different locations the kickstarter has been out throughout october now as we're rounding the corner to the final band what has it been like now putting this this game out for others to see i mean it, the the PDF and that would be available, but I know that there's been some play testing. I know there's a video of you playing the game. How has sure. it been to put it, have, putting all this work together uh, and having the Kickstarter out? It's been funded now. If you're signing up to it today, you're listening to us talking. You've met your goal. Congratulations! Uh, and uh, how how has that reaction been? What what's that? What's that process been like for you having this game um, soon to be out in the wild and slowly being released to uh, a few of uh, those early uh, access to, to be able to, to test and play it? Uh, to be honest, like to, when, before the first play test round, it was nerve wracking um, because I had no idea how well this was going to play. Like, in fact, me and uh, Shireen Gilchrist is the co-designer. I brought her in. I basically designed the system and then we kind of built the world with all the encounters and all that stuff. Um, and so we put this whole thing together and we're like, okay, we, I think this works. And then we said, okay, let's you and I each play it. Well, well, well yeah, because play like, it through. No one else see, is going to be there when they the, play it. This, this, See how it works. See if the numbers kind of shake <laughs> yeah. out, if it seems reasonable. And then we'll put it in the hands of play testers. And we played it a little and I was like, okay, I think it's okay. But again, I, you know. But there's so much I, bias on I your side because this is your I haven't creation. played it 20 times. Yeah. I've only played it twice. So put it in the hands of the play testers, um, all of whom played at least once, many played twice. Um, to try different approaches and kind of play as different characters and, and whatnot. And it was generally very positive feedback. There were some, some minor tweaks that got made to it. Um, and then uh, we moved toward the Kickstarter and I put it out to uh, a friend on Twitter who got not only herself, but two of her friends to all three of them, each individually um, played the game on her stream 
to uh to kind of you know try it out and let people see what it's like so in addition yeah, and the, to the different versions that this game it, can take place at uh you know it's it's been generally a, a positive cool. experience it was it was it was nerve-wracking to start with because it was like i you know like i've never designed a game like this before like is this gonna even be fun like okay sure i've got a character and i make my roles and like but you know uh you know yeah, and but when is I it actually read, gonna be an enjoyable experience to yeah, actually explore I, this story I, I think it is because it's come out of my brain and Shireen's brain. So like the encounters I like, like we, we hashed out what those encounters should be and we outlined stuff up and like everything that she wrote was kind of, you know, went through approval and, and development with me too. And so I was like, okay, this is all, these are all good. This is all good stuff. I like all this. Um, but until, until a player actually sits down and, you know, runs through the game over the course of two hours and comes back and says, Hey, I, I had a really good time. And this, this was I, I, like, this was cool. And this was great. And like, this was a little weird, maybe, maybe and there was a rule that it was hard to know for sure how to do this. So let's clarify that. And, you know, we kind of tightened it up. So 90 encounters, the inhabitants, uh, I don't want you to spoil too much because part of playing this game is also the, the reveal and the exploration and the turn to it go ooh, that's nice but what would be your favorite because obviously it must have been there must have been some that didn't make the the, the final cut too as you're writing all these uh, ideas down what what's one of your what's what's one that is near and dear to your heart what's one of your favorite encounters that made it into it's going to make it into this game oh boy that you would that you also would like to share and not <laughs> I, I understand you want to keep yeah, some well, things I've behind been, the I've veil. been sharing kind of like the like the two same ones so that I don't like over the course yeah. of multiple podcasts, like suddenly yeah. give away like 12 people different can encounters. It, piece it all together. Like, aha, I've got the full um, set. Like there's, there's one that I wrote that um, is one of the darker ones where like you encounter this fell beast and um, it's a fight scenario. It's like, you've got to make a survive check to, to fight this thing. But before you even get to do that, you check your willpower. And if you have less than three willpower, you just run away. Yeah, um, you, just, you, you don't even hang around. Like there's something coming at you. You just take off. <laughs> nope. You just so turn, I was, run, I, I, I like, the other. And, and like the rewards that are available to you if you if you defeat the creature are good. I like there's like a cool thing that you can gain, but you can't even go in there if you don't have, you can't even try it if you don't yeah. have willpower, you know, and, and not all encounters are like that. Some of them are just, you know, straight up make your check, but like there's some that are like, there's, you know, like you can't get close to this thing unless like you got the, a certain um, stat or, or number of points in something. Um, and then one that Shireen created that I would have never imagined. I would have never come up with is the, the cookie jar tree where there's a tree that's got cookie oh. jars growing out of it. And a creature approaches you and asks you to help bake cookies to fill the cookie jars for the cookie party later. And so you're making a check that's about cooking. <laughs> yeah. It's also got a, a slight mad hatter at the a tea party bit, feel yeah. to it as well. Like, so this does have uh this, this, the vibrant aisle has a bit of like that wonderland dreamscape. It can be real and scary, but also at times absurd and, uh, uh, strange and otherworldly. So you got cookies, cookie, cookie jars <laughs> growing on trees. Uh, and, uh, so would the cookies be the seeds in the jar being the fruit? <laughs> Is that is that how is that how the ecology works here? I'm trying to like. That's, I think wait. that's for you to decide when you play. <laughs> or, the game. or is it? Or is or is the chocolate chip the seed? <laughs> and 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 as we eat it, where are the pollinators from the crumbs that fall <laughs> as the cookie crumbles? 
you'll you'll uh you know you 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 uh play the game you encounter the cookie jar tree you journal and you decide yeah, i guess you can decide like you can your character is actually just being like hyper analytic trying to add scientific sure. reasoning to every wild and fantastical thing they're seeing on this island why not <laughs> <laughs> when mr smock goes to the vibrant isle um, must be an explanation the kickstarter <laughs> it must be there must be a reason behind this it's real right it is real. I'm not just in a coma, right? <laughs> uh, um, the, so the Kickstarters, there's still time to, to to sign up and check it out. The the link is in the show notes uh, if you want to follow through on that. But Craig, where can or where should people follow up with the the Vibrant Isle Kickstarter with also with you and and your own things if we want to hear about what you're you're gonna keep doing during this and after sure. this. Well, it's, yeah, it's called Secrets of the Vibrant Isle. It's on Kickstarter for another week by the time this comes out. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at NerdBurgerCraig, uh, the company's NerdBurger Nerd Burger Games. So the company, the website is NerdBurgerGames.com. Um, and you can, uh, there's uh, a couple of books available, uh, other games available there, Capers and Good Strong Hands, which were both games that we did a, uh, like a offset print run, like a print shop print run. Um, and, but then also at drive through RPG, there's, uh, you know, all the stuff, all the goods, check the show notes, all the goods are in the show notes. Finally, before we go, Craig, what would, do you have any parting words for, for our dear listener? Who's, uh, thinking of chartering a ship and heading to this aisle and shipwrecking themselves on the Island and getting lost for four weeks to find out if they can finally stay forever. <laughs> um, uh, what, what, what would your advice be to someone who is about to back this game and get a copy of this PDF and play potentially their very first solo game through this? What, what would you like them to know or to anticipate or be hopeful for <laughs> when they, when they open up this book or open up this file? Um, get some hot chocolate or whatever tea or whatever is your your beverage of choice a little bit of something that you like to snack on sit down in a nice comfortable place um play the game imagine yourself on this island fill in the gaps as you need to make it the kind of experience you want it to be the the game book just kind of gives you the, the bones of everything you can flesh it out as much as you want and beware the time spider because there is a <laughs> there is a nuisance in the game called the time spider that steals time from you, causes things to take too long, and you don't have a lot of time. You've got four oh, no, weeks. You won't... Oh no! <laughs> I was about to say I thought that was just a clever metaphor of beware how much time you're going to spend no, on the couch playing this because you're not going to know how much the evening <laughs> slips by. There's actually a time spider in the game. Oh. <laughs> Special thanks to Craig Campbell for spending time with us today. You can learn more about the secrets of the Vibrant Isle by visiting their Kickstarter page, which you can do by clicking the link in this episode's description. The Terrible Warriors will return on Tuesday with the next episode in our Simbaroom campaign as our trio desperately tries to rally the other heroes of Thistlehold to fight back against the invading Beast Clan that is pouring out from deep beneath the city. If you don't want to wait till Tuesday... You can listen to that episode right now by signing up as a supporter on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. For just the cost of one venti pumpkin spice latte a month, you can get early access to all of our story episodes. And if you'd like to support us further, you can join in on our monthly tip games. 
This month, we're going to start a new Simbaroom campaign of our own, covering the six-month gap in our podcast campaign as we continue the mystery of the copper crown that caused the Blightborn in the Titans. The Terrible Warriors cannot exist without your support. And for everyone who supports us on Patreon, and for everyone who supports us by sharing, liking, retweeting, and reviewing the show, thank you so much. Podcasts are so hard to share, and the algorithms on Twitter punish you for even mentioning Patreon and throwing up links to the show. So every single time that you tell a friend that this is a podcast worth listening to, you're doing more than I can ever do to grow our little underdog community and help tell everyone that they can play with us. Follow us on Twitter for more details about future episodes, as well as the next game that we will be playing after Simbaroom at Dice Warriors. Production and editing for this episode has been done by me, Justin Ecock. Theme music is by Epic Game Music. And until we meet again, dear listener, rolling dice and sharing stories together... Thank you for being a terrible warrior. Be good to each other.